Welcome to this milestone episode 25 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men the Animated Series weekly recap podcast. I'm JC, and I'm already exhausted before we've started recording this episode. <laughs> and I'm Rod. I'm also pretty tired, but mostly from traveling. Cyclops is Waiting for Me is our weekly podcast series where we're going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men the Animated Series in their original intended script order, building up to the release of X-Men 97, coming to Disney Plus in 2023. Some quick reminders. We are a recap show about a series that came out over 28 years ago. There will be spoilers, especially today, because this is the second part of a two-part episode for us covering five episodes of the show. If you don't want it spoiled for you at this point, tough shit, pause the podcast, <laughs> watch the episodes and come back and we will do our best to avoid spoiling anything about future episodes of the show that we have not covered yet. You guys know we're not affiliated or sponsored by <laughs> Disney at this point. They're not going to sponsor us. But we could do a better version of the Phoenix Saga than any of the Fox ones did. That's why Fox no longer exists because they <laughs> twice fucked up the phoenix saga from the same guy yeah that was a plan <laughs> don't forget to follow us on social media at cyclops iwfm pod on instagram tiktok twitter and facebook and make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast services and finally we record these episodes in batches right now so for reacting to any of the upcoming series news and stuff we're probably a few weeks behind i think at this point we're like literally two months behind if oh, we yeah. were to react to it so let's not react to any news today there you go we got enough stuff to talk about <laughs> at this point on to the show we are going to be continuing our recap and discussion about the phoenix saga and since it was five full-length episodes we divided this into two parts today we're going to be talking about episodes five six and seven of season three titled the Cry of the Banshee, The Star Jammers, and Child of Light. They aired on September 7th, 8th, and 9th in 1994 as a part of a week-long afternoon event. They currently all sit at a 8.0, 7.9, and 8.4 star rating on IMDb. See, this, these eights make sense and not the, the fake-out MojoVision things we had a few weeks ago. I am very much behind the MojoVision episode. Even if that was not accurate, I don't care what you say. So, first off, Cry of the Banshee. This one picks up from an alternate perspective where our previous episode picked up where Sean and Moira are worried about Xavier's jealousy and then proceed to make out within line of sight of his window. And a beautifully set up shot, too. Yeah. The ocean and everything. They're completely oblivious to what is going on in Xavier's room where the juggernaut has tried abducting Lalandra, who is able to shoot the helmet off of his head. So good on her. Then also random outfit change where her clothing just changed for no explanation. So maybe this is a good time to bring this up because Ken and Lalandra, they're both Shi'ar. They have like spider themed outfits, even though they descended from birds. Is there a reason for that? Do you know? Or is that just a design thing? I don't want to say there isn't a reason. Okay. I don't know. But there's not a there's, big reason. Like. There, I, so interestingly enough, I have only read like the Phoenix Saga and the Dark Phoenix Saga. And then a lot of the Shi'ar stuff that I've read in in the years, like starting in 2005-ish, Deken is not a major player within the Shi'ar. There's references to him, but it's very much Lalandra, the third Summer's brother, what's her name? Deathbird, who is yeah. Lalandra's very insane sister. Deken, I remember that from the video games. Yeah, Deken, not as big of yeah. an issue. So 90s design choice. <laughs> I mean, I... I think technically they predate the 90s no i mean like in the show right but i'm saying oh. the design existed okay. before the show gotcha, gotcha. Okay. yeah 
Right. But aside from fashion choices, <laughs> Lalandra was able to shoot the helmet off of the Juggernaut's head. Xavier is able to put the Juggernaut into a bunch of pain because he was getting cock blocked by his brother <laughs> or half brother. At that point, a mysterious figure who we will go into details of who that is in a second shoots Xavier from behind with Xavier kind of knocked out. Juggernaut just picks him up and throws him out a window. Yep, off the cliff. There's so many cliffs at Muir <laughs> Island. It is not a safe area. Luckily, we get the reveal that Sean is actually the Banshee. Not luckily for some of us. That scream is horrid. That scream is awful. <laughs> so how did your cat react to you watching the episode? That one, not so bad because like Rogue's scream is super high pitched. This one was just great. Like not great. Like it was just annoying because it was like lower pitch. He was like, uh, like. I don't know. It wasn't pleasant. Did you have experience with Banshee outside of the show? Yes. Well, I don't. Yes, but I don't know what came first. I know my brother and I once again gets back to the action figures. I just remember the action figure had like that whistle in it. I don't think I ever had that one, so I don't remember the whistle. It had its arms like pop up, you know, like spring loaded. Right. The things. Yeah. And I think it had a whistle on the inside that you blew on, which is not accurate at all because it wasn't high pitched or anything. But I remember at least my brother really loving the action figure. And so that's how I knew about Banshee. And I, I don't know which solidified it first, the action figure of the show. But I, I recognize him this time immediately, even before when he was just Sean. So Banshee makes the save, and then they proceed to like berate Xavier <laughs> because they don't believe him. They they yeah. don't they didn't see the attack happen. They just saw him flying out the window. Yeah. <laughs> Did they just assume he chucked himself out the window? I guess to their credit, he went there because he couldn't be trusted. It's true. But at the same time, I would have thought maybe it's just because he got it was so early on in his trip that they weren't surveilling him yet. Yeah. Because it's like, well, if you can't trust someone's like experiences, then you would probably get their permission to like put a camera on them, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, good for them, though, of adding in the reminder about worrying about his jealousy. Mm -hmm. Because Moira actually says like, you know, she doesn't believe him and is worried that he's just acting out because he still loves her. Oh yeah, good point. Right. So back to the hospital in New York, Phoenix talking to Cyclops and saying, now we are one. And Scott instantly jumps to what happens to us. Yeah. (laughs) It's like we were supposed to get married again. Yeah. We get Rogue back into the story. Rogue is blaming herself because she was out on that mission and not there to help. I don't know what Rogue thought she could have done. Right, well, I mean, she has, last time she flew a plane, it didn't go very well. She just can't take care of things. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, at that point, we get Xavier, who's telepathically calling Wolverine for help, tells him he needs to come to Muir Island. Wolverine shares the news. And then we hear the phrase that I don't think anybody <laughs> ever expected to hear, which is Cyclops saying, Wolverine is right. Yeah. And then Gambit's like, whoa. <laughs> Every, everybody is like we've all gone insane at this point if if, if scott says wolverine yeah. is right we've all lost our minds because i think the argument there was we just professor xavier literally just told us not to trust him so we shouldn't go and wolverine's like well maybe we should you know yeah so in addition to saying that wolverine is right scott oh yeah that's what it is. it's it's because somebody said well are we supposed to trust him and Scott says, no, Wolverine is right. We need to check yeah. this out. But Storm and Scott are going to stay back in New York with Gene and Beast. Over in this castle in Scotland, we see Eric the Red. And he's negotiating with who we find out is Black Tom Cassidy. Mm-hmm. That's the character's name. And Black Tom Cassidy is a, a longstanding X-Men villain. Also known in particular for teaming up with the Juggernaut too. At oh, okay. different times, they kind of were like a little bit of a duo together. So, you know, you had... 
the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which was usually Mastermind, Toad, you know, working with, with Magneto. Blob was usually in that one, but they were kind of like the side duo. They're and, kind of like the the avalanche pyro thing in the show where they're always like together. Yeah, they're, they're, they're in the comics, they were paired up very yeah. often. Yeah. So Eric is basically like, yeah, I'm not going to pay you. Just <laughs> give me Lalandra. Juggernaut showcasing how strong he is just shows up and makes the save and just squeezes Eric. Yeah. And he's like, okay, maybe we can negotiate. Yeah, maybe I'll pay. But then the, my favorite moment of the entire thing, it's for $10 million. Yeah. It's like a Dr. Evil, $10 million. Right, which, I mean, okay, probably for a kid hearing that number. Yeah. But, you know, that I think at that point we probably assumed like somebody like Bill Gates was only worth like $15 million. Yeah. So it was like $10 million. <laughs> 1994, inflation. So we hear an alternate music sting as the X-Men arrive at Muir Island. Wolverine and Banshee have this like little interaction that I know you liked. Yeah, yeah, because Moira's like, you shouldn't have come, and then Wolverine kind of tells him off, and, and Banshee's like, you should learn some manners. It's like, you don't know him very well. It's going to slit your throat out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've established that the X-Men have made it there. Mm-hmm. The Blackbird is fast as frig. Over in the castle again, Eric is awakening Lalandra. We find out that he has been using a alternate name while being stationed as a spy on Earth. Mm-hmm. And so he goes by Eric the Red, but his real name is Shikari. Right. So I love that he's like, I'm going to go to Earth. My name's going to be Eric. Is is there something where he's been stationed? Like, is Eric the Red like some like Viking, Viking yeah. or something? Like there, there's something about this character that didn't make it into the show yeah. that neither of us looked up because one think i just don't care enough about eric the red and rod doesn't look anything up (laughs) but you know he he says that you know we're 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 looking for for the crystal and you know it's not with lalandra at this point the argument continues back at the installation yeah installation seems yeah right and wolverine gives some credence to the fact that somebody else was there he says he smelled three people one is definitely the juggernaut which we've actually talked about with Wolverine in the Juggernaut's first appearance of he distinctly remembers the smell of the Juggernaut. One that he doesn't recognize and one that is definitely not human. And at that point, psychic distress call pops out from Lalandra who showcases a stag and a dragon. So when Professor X sees this, he says it out loud and Sean instantly knows where that is because that is where Cassidy Keep is. we cut over to the Great Hall of Cassidy Keep, and I only know that because they specifically like captioned it. <laughs> yeah, there there is a there's a sign that says Cassidy yeah. Keep, just in case you live in the area <laughs> and you don't know which castle you're walking by. Right. And as they're arriving, Wolverine has the response that most of us have in response to Banshee flying. He's like, "What? What? <laughs> what is this?" Well, because he's yelling the entire yeah. time he's flying, and I don't even want to replicate it because most people are probably listening to this on like earbuds or in their car. Yeah, and there's no way for us to replicate it and it not be unpleasant. So just imagine a very low, guttural, ongoing tone. Yeah, and you're flying that way for miles. And Wolverine, even, even if it's 30 seconds, it's yeah. awful. Even Wolverine points out, it's like, well, we're not going to exactly sneak attack with this. So they're arriving at the keep. You know, there's the acknowledgement that they know they're no match for the juggernaut. Because looking back, the last time that they, they fought the juggernaut, Gene was there. Yeah. And I also like that there's a comment. Someone asks, how do we know who we're saving? And Wolverine's, I, this might be one of my favorite Wolverine quotes, just the way he said it. He's like, 
She's from another galaxy. You see a woman you don't know? Rescue her. <laughs> so when they arrive at the keep, it is a, a trap that gets sprung by the, the space crew. Mm-hmm. Banshee makes the save. At like one frame a second. Yeah, we there were definitely a few times in, in these sh- episodes where there are animation hiccups. <laughs> Nice way to say it. But he has a really awesome line where it's the Lord of the Castles come home. Yeah. And then the fight breaks out. Rogue proceeds to call Juggernaut Bat, which <laughs> I there is a habit of calling people names that are insults that don't necessarily make sense. Like, yeah, because he's big. He's a brick shit house, but he's not fat. Yeah. And she's fought the blob a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> so she has actual examples. We do get the brother fight between Black Tom Cassidy and Sean Cassidy. But quick note, in the comics, they are actually cousins and not brothers to each other. Ooh, okay. So that was just an editorial thing for this. I, be- I believe it was to, to give the brother versus brother drama mm-hmm. of it, especially because in the Phoenix saga, there are there was a brother versus brother story that that did happen where Cyclops was fighting his brother Havoc mm-hmm. in one of the issues. And because we haven't included Havoc here at yeah. all, obviously you don't need to have yeah. that drama. And we don't want to throw another location into this to bring, <laughs> to yeah. bring him in. I mean, at, at that point, Havoc was X-Factor. Yeah. So... They introduced a whole other team on top of that. Or actually, would he have been X-Factor at that point? I don't know. Timelines get yeah. confusing. Regardless, with the brother versus brother fight, Landra is able to untie herself. Juggernaut, you know, essentially stops her. Eric the Red throws an ice bomb, mm-hmm. which I, I was like, Rod is going to make a Sub-Zero comment. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that. I it, It's also like, that's more accurate than you think because it was so temporary. It was almost inconsequential. It was enough to slow them down. Yeah. And it was probably easier to animate than like fog or mist and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and also Storm is used her mist thing for her quota or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So Rogue and Wolverine are the first ones to break out, but everybody is able to to break out and they all head up to the roof. And then we see this glow from space. At that point, did you, did you know who that was in space? Only when I saw the gloves. Right. So we get kind of like a first person perspective and it ends up being Gladiator, which we saw Gladiator in the Mojoverse. The eight- Sorry, Mojo Vision episode. <laughs> the eight star rated Mojo Vision. <laughs> That's why I got so many yeah. stars. And for those who aren't aware, Gladiator from a power set is effectively Superman. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's got a cape, he's got laser eyes, he has like frost wind breath and stuff like that. He is the Shi'ar version of Superman. I only remember that too because on one of the, either the trading cards or board game I had, his stats were like, they were all like maxed out. I would bet it would have been the Marvel or X-Men trading cards that after series two, they started putting stats and he was like, I want to say it was everything except intelligence was like a seven for him. Yeah, they had like light beams going across the stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his intelligence was still really high. He just wasn't like seven. Yeah. Yeah. So he shows up. Eric the Red just like straight up stops and bows to him. And then Gladiator's like, oh, the Emperor and I are disappointed in you. <laughs> and, you know, there's there's a moment between him and Lalandra, and he's like, nope, sorry, I serve the Imperial throne. And she's like, oh, well, fuck me, I guess. Right. Juggernaut is not having this, proceeds to throw a punch at Gladiator and does literally nothing. And Gladiator responds by throwing Juggernaut across the entire island at that yeah, point. He's gone by that point. He then proceeds to use, like I said, the wind powers from his mouth, the eye blast. He starts like kicking people's ass and Black Tom Cassidy's like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> and just completely runs away. He, he does the classic villain, like this is not worth $10 million. Mm. He's like a Kazar. Later. 
<laughs> Run away with my tiger. Lalandra puts out another call for help. Jean hears the the call for help and essentially wakes up in full Phoenix mode and then just pops up. Yeah, flies across the entire earth. Yeah, she she flew. <laughs> oh, not was, the entire, quite like a quarter. Because from New York to Skyland? Yeah, right? well, she flew across the Atlantic yeah. in no time flat yeah. and tells Gladiator, like, you know, they're under my protection. Gladiator doesn't really want to buy that and proceeds to attack and does absolutely nothing. Phoenix says, you know, tell, tell your master to abandon his quest and then throws him into <laughs> space. Right. If there was ever a, like, fuck Superman moment, yeah. that was it right there. And it looked like threw him past, like, some planets. Yeah, he like, was, like, <laughs> into space. It wasn't just, like, into orbit. It was yeah. space. We, we find out a little bit more from Lalandra about the Phoenix, acknowledging that the Phoenix is the child of the crystal. And that's when we we see in space, Deken pops out of a wormhole. It says he can sense the crystal's power. Right. So before we jump to the next episode, one quick note. When they were doing the original scripting for the episode, the feedback from the producers was the castle either needs to be entirely dropped or made integral to the episode. Why? I don't know. It's just what Eric Leewald said. Okay. It's like, we need, we, this This detail needs to have significance. It's either it has to have significance or do the fight in a different spot. Huh, interesting. I wonder if there was like some, you know, sensor thing at the time. I think it was just probably like, we don't want to have to pay for more backgrounds unless you make the uh, shit mean something. Gotcha. Okay, so the brothers live here. Yeah. <laughs> The man of the the man of the manor, basically. Right. Yeah. Before we go on, Rod, any thoughts on this episode? I like that we introduced like a lot of characters and also finding out that Eric's name wasn't Eric because Tom may be okay. But I just thought it was so hilarious that this episode we learn about these characters and then like Deken and Lalandra and stuff. And then we have Eric and Tom. So part four episode is called <laughs> Star Jammers. Marvel in particular wanted the Star Jammers involved in this story. Oh, that's cool. It's a cool name. It's a it's a cool name. It's it's also their the name of the team is also the name of the ship. That was confusing for a little bit because I, I saw the title and then someone mentioned that they, they were the Star Jammers and they're like, get back to the Star Jammers. Like, did you? <laughs> yep. Okay. So episode kicks off with Black Tom Cassidy running away. Just in case you <laughs> you were wondering what's going on with him. Let's assume that he is on his way to go get Juggernaut. Sure. Maybe. So the, you know, everybody is up on the roof. You know, Xavier's there. Jean says that she could get everybody to Lalandra's ship. At that point, we have Scott, Beast, basically everybody else makes their way over. At that point, Jean is trying to, you know, see what is going on. She tries to channel into Gladiator. They see who we know is the Imperial Guard and then gets shut out. So, Rob, <laughs> let's play a little game of name any of the Imperial Guard aside from Gladiator. I don't know the these last two episodes are it is insane how many characters that you clearly should know john is putting the figure set in front of so me. there is a hero clicks base that has was that six members of the imperial guard on it six, seven seven members of the imperial guard on it one is gladiator yeah i know gladiator i think in passing conversations so it's a little bit of a cheat i've heard you mention oracle <laughs> yep oracle who is the one who shut. shut them out which is oracle on the base is that her that's oracle yep yep i don't know the other people even though i, I recognize them from the show so the one who always stood out the most to me is warstar and warstar is this like the giant green one who has a little like baby alien on his back yeah that and that comes up a little bit later right 
in the fight. Yeah, in the fight. So we get the very blunt and dramatic statement of this is going to be the battle to save the galaxy. It's going to be the fate of a billion star systems. Mm-hmm. So automatically the stakes are so much higher than anything <laughs> that we've ever talked about on this show in particular. Like, you know, mm-hmm. at, at most it was going to be like sentinels taking over the world or even just the future of this earth. You know, looking at the the time fugitives episodes and stuff like that. This is now, it's everything. everything. So there's like a little farewell moment and they just are going to take off into space. Yeah, she, she flies them into like that. She does this thing where she like puts her wings around them and it looks like it looks like fire so it would kill them but actually like teleports It, it envelops them, yeah. So I think be, I knew these cameos. Right, so there are three cameos which pop up because as Jean takes off into space, you see her flying off in, mm-hmm. into the sky. Rod, let's go. Was the first one Captain Britain? The first one is Captain okay. Britain. Yep. And then I saw Emma Frost. So I'm assuming they're the Hellfire Club. Correct. You definitely see Emma Frost. Mm-hmm. There is somebody who looks like Sebastian Shaw, who is the, I believe he's the Black King of the Hellfire Club. At that point, Emma was known only as a villain. So she was still in like full-fledged White Queen yeah. mode. And she, she actually gets a little bit of a reaction, like a psychic reaction right. at that moment. And then Doctor Strange, which... That was really cool to see because I don't remember him there as a kid because he wasn't as popular back then. It's true. No, he he had like a big moment in the 70s because of like all the very trippy like Kirby-esque art. Yeah. But then he definitely had a drop off in the in the 80s and 90s. So pre him coming back to where he is now. And then we have a moment with Jubilee <laughs> and Xavier who are left back on, on Earth. And it's essentially like, oh, she said farewell. Like, they're not coming back ever. Yeah. And I think she, like, blows a bubble on the edge of the castle as she's, like, looking out, too. It's, like, super sad. Then the crew that was with the Phoenix appear on Lelandra's ship. And then we see the crystal finally for the first time, like, in person. Right. So the crew that made it onto the ship was Wolverine, Rogue, Gambit, Cyclops, Jean, Mm -hmm. alongside Lelandra. And apparently a Phoenix possessed by Lelandra for a second. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so there is there is probably the first time there's been a VO flub of right. putting the wrong voice on top of the wrong animation. But specifically on the line, we must move quickly to protect the crystal. Yeah, and it was Gene's <laughs> animation with Lilandra's voice. <laughs> so we then kind of get a surprise attack on the ship, and it isn't what we what we thought it would be. It's actually a stun ray, and all of the Shi'ar on the ship kind of get like knocked out. Everybody else is like shaken, but it, it specifically puts down all the Shi'ar. And then, Rod, favorite game, oh. who are the Star Jammers? So I recognize Corsair because of the action figure, then Cat Lady and Reptile Man. Cat Lady I feel justified for because they went out of their way to highlight her sound specifically. She she is <laughs> she is feline. I have no pushback on that she, sentiment. She screeches comedically like a cat yes. the whole fight. Yeah, yeah. So that's Hezaba. Hezaba, okay. Hepzaba. Hepzaba. Okay. Hezaba. Yep. And then I found out from the show I had been saying his name wrong for years. But the giant reptile guy, which I feel like reptile guy sounds more of like a, a, a lizard man kind of yeah. thing. He's he's like giant amphibious, but his name is Chode, which I always pronounce it as Chod. I had it took me until like really late in like the fifth episode to get that because I thought they were just insulting him for like a first couple times. No, just because, <laughs> because no. I'm a kid in the '90s, you know. So like they called him a chode. No, like, <laughs> it's literally his name, Rod. And Real then quick too, there's a line from Rogue that I haven't heard a cool line from Rogue in a while. So she's she says when Lelandra gets knocked out by the stun ray, that just gets the Shi'ar. 
the rogue's like, Lilandra's out colder than the leftover hush puppy. <laughs> oh, yeah. She had to throw in one of her, what are they called? Like Southern. It's, like, it's not a euphemism. Colloquialism. Yeah. Yeah. And I specifically remember like the hush puppies at Long John Silver. So like, yeah, she's she's a cold like that. So there's, you know, a quick fight. They realize that it's not the emperor's troops who are doing it. And it's revealed that they are the star jammers who are, are pirates. And then you have the last star jammer on the ship, whose name is Raza. And Corsair tells him to switch this stun to human. Raza kind of like gives a little bit of pushback. And he's like, just do it. At that point, Scott is ready to take a shot at Corsair. And Jean stops him. She sees images of kids in Cosair's head, and that one hesitation. One give, has, and one has sunglasses on. With yeah, one red. Has, <laughs> yeah, one has sunglasses on. But that hesitation is what leads to all the X Men getting stunned because mutants are human. Yep. And this further proves that yeah. because it's set to human and all the X-Men who are <laughs> mutants get knocked out. Even science. So the Star Jammers retreat. They have stolen the crystal and they also bring Scott with them. You get a little bit of an internal monologue where Gene acknowledges that that's Scott's dad. More of the sci-fi soap opera stuff. Right. They bring Scott onto the ship and and they're like, well, why'd you bring, without calling him this, they're like, why'd you bring the flesh bag? And it's yeah. like, well, he's he's the last weapon we're ever going to need. They like, cradles his face so then gladiator and eric the red or shikari or what do you want to call let's him? call him eric just, yeah, eric just just make it easier arrive at the ken's ship ken is angry yeah he's he's pissed because they don't have the Anything. crystal <laughs> yeah they have nothing they failed they're like the phoenix stopped us it's like the phoenix is just a you know fairy tale yeah it's just a legend and gladiator has the unenviable position of no yeah. i i saw it when you know your boss is super super wrong and there's nothing you could say other than, no, dude, you're wrong. Yeah, that is, it was definitely a shoot the messenger feeling. And I've been the messenger many a time in a deja. <laughs> I've also shot Rod many, many yeah. times. I always, I always go for the leg, though. You go for the yeah. meat. You don't want anything fatal because then he can't give you messages anymore. Yeah. But kind of to save Gladiator and Eric's asses a little bit, a Corsair pops up, which... That's some major league like hacking software for him to be able to have his hol- like the hologram pop up right in the middle of that conversation. And he's like, hey, recognize this? Mm-hmm. And he's got the crystal. And of course, Dekan is is like, well, yes, I want the crystal. Yeah. And Cosair goes big. He wants half of the Imperial Treasury, which just for context, Shi'ar controls multiple star systems. So it's not like the richest city or the richest country or the richest planet. It's like the richest planet within a full star system. Yeah. He wants to split power with the Shi'ar. I don't think he even cares about the power. He just literally wants the check. Well, I mean, with the money, though, you know, having that much. like, No, he's just going to buy so many space hookers. Right. And the entire galaxy is capitalist. Right. (laughs) So, Deken begrudgingly accepts the trade. And as soon as Corsair is gone, which... I would be worried about him listening right. in if the like, dude could know? if the dude could suddenly hack onto my my wristband thing. I I don't trust <laughs> that they're not listening at all times. But he tells Gladiator that as soon as the trade is made, destroy them. Yeah. And Gladiator kind of gives a little bit of pushback of like you but you swore the the sacred oath. And Deken kind of is just like, "Oh, are are you not my leader of the Imperial Guard? Are you going to like defy the crown kind of thing and and gladiator falls into place so scott wakes up on cosair's ship and cosair is like yeah i'm gonna use you to to stop the ken and of course scott is curious as to why and we get a little more insight where ken is like yeah he destroyed my wife you're gonna get one shot at 
badass. And then Cyclops pushes back. He's like, I'm not going to take a life in cold blood. I would question that a little bit right now because so much stuff has happened. I guess it's enough to question, but also that man is responsible for your kind of wife being possessed as far as you know and stuff and you know trying to kill everybody and things like wouldn't be the worst thing to do is to start taking out some pawns in this also he literally tried to murder sinister like multiple times (laughs) and then saw sinister explode yeah so it's not did he not consider sinister did he not consinister jeez i didn't even mean to do that (laughs) did he not consider sinister <laughs> like blood, I guess. He was like, it's fine. Yeah, he didn't know that Sinister was gonna be able to reform himself when he blew up. <laughs> but Cosair kind of like gives the you know the the would you kill yeah. Hitler argument of well, is your honor worth billions of lives? Mm-hmm. And then Cyclops is like, is is yours wor- you know worth the life of one woman? Yeah, is is the value of one woman's life the fate of the galaxy? Because as much as Cosair is positioning this as we have to stop this madman from destroying other people. Cyclops is also kind of calling him out on it of like, no, you are doing this in revenge. This is yeah. not you just being a hero. And then, of course, Sarah has like a sad Logan moment. He's like, this one was or something like that <laughs> like, as he's walking away. Yeah, I think I think the phrase was this one was. So over on the lander ship, Beast is inspecting schematics. Gambit is bored as hell. <laughs> Because why not? Yeah. Lalandra is yelling at Jean like, oh, you need to teleport us. And, and Jean, she's rebuilding her strength. But she does acknowledge that each time she uses her powers, she gets stronger. I see this as like video game logic of oh, yeah. the more times I do something in Skyrim, the better I get at it. Yeah. So, XP, man. Yeah. Yeah. She just keeps <laughs> leveling up. And I don't I don't know which tabletop system she's using, but right. that's a that's a pretty solid one over on, you know, on the on the ship. Cyclops and, and Cosair continue their, their you know, debate mm-hmm. of, well, are you going to do this? And Cyclops is like, well, you're really not giving me much choice. Mm-hmm. And Cosair has, has the moment with his team of, well, you know, if we fail, you guys have to carry on the mission without me. And it's like, what? Like, <laughs> like what mission? Like, <laughs> without you? Yeah, without you, we're, we're kind of screwed and they kind of they don't want to let him go off on his own but he's also like well do it deal with it and corsair and cyclops have that you know fun ironic conversation <laughs> yeah the the two sides not knowing about each other where corsair acknowledges that he also came from earth scott is wondering how that's possible and corsair is like yeah i had you know kids that i wouldn't know if i saw them <laughs> and the oldest one had his mother's eyes which <laughs> Obviously, the greatest irony because you yeah. can't look Cyclops in the eye because you'll get for- your head <laughs> force blasted off your shoulders. Uh, Corsair and Cyclops approach to Ken while Gene contacts him and teleports the X Men all there. But before Cyclops can blast to Ken, the, the X Men appear with the Phoenix and kind of interrupts the, the in cold blood moment. Well, Cosair is is presenting the crystal like right at that point. And right as the presentation happens, that's when Phoenix pops in. Cosair sees his chance. He goes after Deken and is revealed that it's actually a shapeshifter and not Deken. Did that shapeshifter have a name? They looked important. Is it just another one of the Imperial, Imperial it's Guards? It's one of the Imperial Guards. It's not one of the ones that I know off the top of my For head. Like a split second. I was excited it was going to be like a scroll or something. <sighs> right. No. Yeah. Not that one. But, you know, all of a sudden you get this like big everybody's fighting everybody scenario the x-men are doing a pretty good job of holding their own against the imperial guard gladiator gets over to the crystal first wolverine and him have like a little quick interaction and he just kind of tosses wolverine like he's nothing he then gives the like 
get out of my way woman to Rogue. <laughs> and Rogue just beats the crap out of him. Yeah. And everybody starts to make their way to the Starjammer in their escape with the crystal. Beast is holding the door open for everybody. And then Rogue just kind of like one ups him. Well, even better, I think Wolverine tries to start helping and they're both struggling, Beast and Wolverine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. Rogue just gets there and is like, like huh. yeah, yep, <laughs> no problem. And as they're about to get through the walkway, whatever those... Whatever that thing is, yeah. The retractable bridge <laughs> thing that I don't know what that's actually called. Ken is in their way and Gladiator is holding Lalandra. And then they start reciting the thing to activate the crystals, which is like nine dying stars in a world with no name. Jean tries to, to get the crystal, ends up opening a breach in the crystal. And with the power of the negative galaxy, stuff starts getting like pulled in. Mm -hmm. And that's where we end that episode. I feel like they mentioned the negative galaxy a couple times. Right. But it deserves so much more explanation because that's just a weighty concept. I mean, you have the negative zone in Marvel. You have a negative galaxy now. You have the anti-monitor in DC. Just read some just comics, right? I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it just sounds like a, it, is, it would be a fun concept to like have explored a little bit more. Although, you know, as we're about to see in a few seconds, we get to explore that. So maybe they we do. do a little bit. But. Yeah, that, that was a we're just literally running out of time at this point. Yeah. So part five, Child of Light. The energy from the, the crystal is like flowing into Dekan. The frame rate <laughs> drops to one per second, yeah. I'm pretty sure. It's just a PowerPoint. And he he turns into a giant crystal version of himself, proceeds to like try to shoot the X-Men, and Gene creates a shield that stops Deken from like taking everybody out. But he just kind of shrinks into the crystal at that point. Yeah, his retreats. I guess it's like Genie going to the lamp, except it's not a tiny space. Yeah, except all of a sudden he becomes more powerful by being inside of it. And they 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 acknowledge that he was granted his wish. He is now one with the crystal and that he's going to create a universe within the crystal. Cosair radios the, the rest of the Star Jammers on the Star Jammer, tells him to leave. And then Gene comes up with the plan of seeing if the Phoenix can actually contain the power of the crystal and proceeds to teleport everybody onto the Star Jammer. And at that point, you get the Imperial Guard are all also retreating on their ship. Everybody's just, <laughs> nope. Jean returns, Jean gets sucked into the crystal. Lalandra is freaking out because she failed. And then all of a sudden you start like seeing these like shock waves coming out of the Macron crystal and the ships all start getting like sucked back in yeah. the direction like black hole style. Yeah, they watch the Deken ship like implode. Yeah, the, the Imperial ship implodes. People start firing at the crystal. <laughs> that's what you do with the I mean, I, at, shooting stuff. at that point, that's what I would probably do. <laughs> and then again, it starts what we picture a black hole to be of things getting sucked into it. I'm making hand motions again on an <laughs> audio podcast. Down on Earth, a bunch of environmental disturbances start happening around the world. But and it starts with Jubilee seeing the sun fade away. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's one of the big ones is the sun starts fading away. Jubilee is is reacting to it and, and Professor says, uh, well, there's really just one hope left and it's the X-Men. And it's like, dude, that's a lot of pressure on them. Yeah, because if you think about it from their perspective, he's just like, we're just going to sit here and wait. Yeah, like literally <laughs> nothing else. So over on the Lander ship, everything is basically going to shit at this point. Gambit says, well, if the world's gonna end, I'm gonna go for it. And right as he's about to kiss Rogue, and she looked like she was ready, like she was down, yeah. they get sucked into the crystal. You know, fair enough though, because do you remember that show Flash Forward? I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't watch it. 
I remember the name, but I can't remember the show. It's basically about everybody passes out at the same time. You get to see your future. And so some people don't see anything. And so that forms a bunch of like sex orgy cults because everybody knows those. those nope, people. definitely don't know that show, Rod. <laughs> those people know. Well, it's not just about that, but it's like one group of people know that they're not going to be around in six months. Oh. So they just start. This oh, so cult. the the future is you know where you are in six months. Yeah. yeah okay. You know get it. Get six it. months. Okay. So some people are like they know different situations, but some people see nothing, so they know that they're not going to be around. And whoever friend group I was watching that show with at the time, they're like, "What group would you be?" And I was like, "Honestly, if I didn't see anything, I would probably be in the sex orgy group because what the six months." Live, live your life. <laughs> you, there's no reason to finish school or keep going to work if you're going to be gone in right. six months, right? So I, I, I get Gambit and Rogue. <laughs> yeah. Get it in, man. So when they're sucked into the crystal, their ship is like all jacked up and they're they're walking out of it. And there's this weird super pink because it's inside the Macron crystal landscape. And there's these like pulsing muscles. It reminded me of a brain almost. Yeah, and I got the, the ego vibe from it just from the few things i'd seen but maybe that's because of the living planet yeah i could i could so. i could see that yeah it was like weirdly it was weirdly organic mm-hmm. is is kind of the best way to describe it. Deken appears first he's this like orb and then he just becomes full-on giant version of Deken. well he, he kind of we'll, does like the apocalypse thing yeah where he just gets like massive because yeah. he just has all this power there's a failed charge by rogue wolverine and gambit where props to them for like running into probably what is going to be their death and then just mm-hmm. get whacked away in the distance we see jean's clothes i thought she was smushed in the ground that was just her clothes though i mean i interpreted it as a clothes but but on the top there was the red and I literally rewound it like three uh-huh. times because it was the color of her hair but it didn't look like her hair. Okay. That's so I it I guess that's one of those weird alternate reality bending things where it could be seen in different ways like we did. Dukan pops out of the ground and just his hands come out and destroy the ship. Yeah, because he declares he's becoming a living galaxy. Lalandra takes the diplomatic approach and tries to <laughs> appeal to him to stop using the crystal. That doesn't work. Gladiator then tries to go for it. That doesn't work. <laughs> Gladiator's method's not as diplomatic. Yeah. And then Scott gives the, well, there's kind of, there's nothing we can do against him, which at that point, they're pretty much right. Yeah, because if he controls the reality in this realm. Now, I know we're, so we're going to have a little bit of cameo conversation here. Rod, I know you're excited for cameo. So what are the, what are the four or five spots we see actually? So I recognize Mount Fuji. Because they call it out on the screen. I I recognize who was at Mount Fuji. It was Sunfire. Right. Once again, excited that they didn't put a mask on him just because, you know, nice representation. Which is just interesting to me because the character for the longest time has been known to have a mask. So it was a a very specific choice to, to show Sunfire without mm-hmm. his mask. It's very cool. And he's he's just kind of diffusing the Mount Fuji literally. Yeah, there's kind of there's a train which is going by it and he is he's stopping falling rocks from landing on the train that mm-hmm. you know just in the nick of time a piece of the track gets knocked out by one of those falling rocks. Yeah, and then we see Mijinari. I read the sign it says he's evacuating an African beach, which I thought was pretty broad. I mean, it's it's wherever sure. Mijinari was. Was yeah. that like Tanzania or something yeah. like that? something yeah i guess or it could be anywhere i guess i mean the kid is fast enough that he could literally get anywhere within africa so that makes sense he's evacuating a beach and then i think i've heard you allude to this trivia before but we only see the hand of spider-man in new york and was i'm guessing that's war machine that is war machine he wasn't in iron man colors but it was an iron suit yes so yeah they they show spider-man's hand and you see the web shoot out of it there there's like some 
behind the scenes drama as to why that wasn't fully shown. And then War Machine and they they save a woman. And then we also go to Greece. So I didn't know this was Greece. I actually thought it was Canada. Here's the thing. The building looks like the Parthenon. Okay. But it was definitely Alpha Flight. Yeah. So, so is there a spot in Canada that <laughs> looks like the Parthenon? So you know what's funny is, I don't know about Canada, but I think Nashville has a Parthenon. I'm pretty sure. It, it has something that doesn't, not that it doesn't belong there, but is No, it odd. doesn't belong there. It, it is odd that it belongs. It is odd that it's there. It's like a recreation of the Parthenon. But I'm, I don't know if that means that there are a few of those around, like some sort of like franchise, like Wonders of the World or something. I mean, I'm literally one. No, not franchised. There is apparently a thing about neoclassical architecture in Canada drew inspiration from the remains of Greece and Rome. And I'm not clicking on a 60 megabyte PDF to find out more. So So, yeah, Alpha Flight. I always get this wrong. So originally my notes, I had Owl Lady, but then because of our previous episode, I recognize this is a snowbird right. and shaman, which I guess is debatable if they're in Canada or Greece. Well, apparently or, or we're learning things Can- about <laughs> Canadian architecture right now. And then they stop. They they finish off this whole montage with Storm freaking out in New York. She's thoroughly not okay. Yeah, well, she <laughs> literally stops a giant wave from like destroying that same bridge from a few episodes ago. And just is like, well, the earth has gone mad. Also, they left Storm back on the East Coast when everybody else <laughs> fucked off to Scotland. Yeah. Oh. Or she went there or. No, I don't she know. didn't. Like they, everything has been happening so fast that she. She just gets lost. <laughs> right. And because Xavier and Jubilee are still in fucking Scotland. Yeah. This is why you go to Scotland if there's a world. The Imperial Guard also join in on the attack and they fail. And Rod, did you notice something that was unique about the Imperial Guard at that point? There were different people. There I- was not just different people. There was a random scroll there. That, okay, it was a scroll. There was a scroll there, and there was also a Badoon as well, which is another alien race within Marvel. I, but there was 100% a scroll there. Because I, I thought that, like, I rewound a little bit to see if I'd missed them before, but it was like a different set of, like, soldiers, essentially. This, there were there were more of them. Yeah, and th- this was like, it was almost uh, like the animated version of, like, Endgame's battle, you know? It was like, it was so many characters. Like, I know I should know some of these, but... Well, to be fair, you don't know most of the yeah. Imperial Guard, <laughs> so I can understand the confusion. But yes, there was definitely a scroll there who had not been there previously. And then we get a little bit of the classic cartoon villain moment where Deken summons these rock soldiers, and it looks like the heroes are starting to, like, regain the upper hand mm-hmm. at that point. One of the Imperial soldiers wasn't Ant-Man or giant man so that's titan and his powers are similar in that he just can increase in size he would have been handy earlier what do you <laughs> i mean he 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 gets behind to ken and like shatters him mm-hmm. but then it it doesn't really yeah. stop well, him i mean just like before they arrived on the crystal oh just to like crush the general. x-men yeah so to ken he essentially teleports everything starts collapsing around him and then he starts growing at massive size. And Phoenix is like, no, I'm bigger. Yeah, she teleports everybody else back to the ship, right? Well, Deken tries to fight her and has no effect on her. Mm-hmm. And then she teleports everybody to the ship. She's like, there's only one way for this to end if hopefully my body can take it and needs to get everybody out of the out of this, essentially. And she, rea- she says that she finally realizes the reason that Well, so this was a little bit, I guess the Phoenix energy is a little vague in how it works if it's actually a sentient being on its own. Phoenix acknowledges, I know why I chose Jean's body. (laughs) 
because of her empathic abilities. Yeah, so the Phoenix is a consciousness. The yeah. Phoenix has its own set of like instincts and etc. Yeah. So So I was trying to figure out so if this was the not Gene speaking about Gene's body, then was it the Phoenix saying that they- It's kind of like a we are venom moment. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's 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 Eddie and the symbiote speaking together. together. That's that's what's happening with Gene and the Phoenixes. The more they are using their powers and in, in, in bonding, they are becoming one entity. So it's a we scenario, but acknowledge in the past that Gene was a separate entity. Gotcha. Right. And she figures out that she can destroy the crystal by joining the matrix of his energy field, which I don't think we were introduced to earlier. But. No, she feels the pain, which is like the living, this orb is the literal living center of the crystal. And she needs to join its matrix as the way to to get control over it. And that's what's going to defeat the Kent. So she starts saying her goodbyes. Yeah. <laughs> and Scott obviously wants to, to stay with Jean, refuses mm-hmm. to leave her. And she says, you know, you can't be a part of where I'm going. And then Wolverine gets, you know, his moment of like, yeah, he he knows, but that doesn't make any of this any easier. We get the, the goodbye kiss. And then we get into a little bit of like the whole metaphysical scenario, which by the way, just to be crystal clear, Gene is speaking from within the crystal to everybody Mm -hmm. at this point, and they are all on the ship, like reacting to Space Bird. So we get into a little bit of like this metaphysical thing of help me find a way. And then she kind of calls on different aspects of the powers of of the the various X-Men. Xavier for his wisdom, Storm for her compassion, Beast for his gentleness, Jubilee for her innocence, Wolverine for his courage. And then I couldn't tell without looking at the captions if it was Scott for his love or Scott for his life. And it said love. I had to double check oh, okay. it. <laughs> right. And then we get kind of a artsy like tree yeah. growth image of all the X-Men, including the ones who she didn't get power from, i.e. Rogue and Gambit, who were there with her. Yeah. It, it kind of gave me, even though I didn't see this in the movie, kind of gave me an F9 vibe, you know, like. Like, it's about family. It was the people she met on the journey. Yes. <laughs> Which results in a giant space explosion. Just like F9. Right. You know, and they kind of question like, well, she saved us, but what was the cost of it? And Jean, you know, psychically is is saying like, I need to take this beyond the reach of any living being. So even though they can't destroy the crystal, she flies it into the heart of the sun. Or she's going to fly it yeah. into the heart of with, the sun. With the cannon tra- trapped in the crystal. Yeah. And she gives like one last apology to Cyclops before flying in. Her last words are kind of like, again, way more advanced than what a Saturday morning cartoon conversation would be of like the light, if only you could see it. And it's kind of this weird extra layer because Scott can't ever see anything without the filter of the the visor in front of his eyes too. Because everything with Scott, it's ruby quartz. Red, yeah. So he always has red in front of his eyes. That's why he's always angry. <laughs> he's literally always seeing <laughs> red. red. Yeah. God. Oh, thank God we're wrapping up, guys. <laughs> oh, there's a teaser I, I picked out for an episode that people will have heard now, but you haven't heard yet, where you almost make a pun. And I love that that's the Instagram teaser. <laughs> it's going to be amazing when one week yeah. we just don't have an Instagram teaser. Yeah. So so apparently they just kept hanging out at Cassidy Keep while all this shit was going down. Yeah, it's fine. Yep. Xavier's like, we got to trust the X-Men. Sure. Yeah. Lalandra, you know, is, is trying to get Charles to join her because mm-hmm. she has to leave and go be the Empress now of the Shi'ar since Ken is 
out of commission and Xavier can't go because he has responsibilities that he can't leave. He has to continue leading the X-Men. Yeah, you got two two bosses that can't abandon their hustles. You have, again, the awkward, heartfelt moment between Cosair and, and Cyclops who don't know what the other one's history is, yeah. essentially. And I wasn't quite clear on the urgency of leaving. Like, he, Corsair was like, I wish we could hang out more. And, and I was like, why Why couldn't, couldn't you? I don't think he actually wanted to hang out more, oh, okay, if I'm being totally honest. Like, what's, what's, <laughs> he's like, oh, cool. Thank you, stranger soldier guy. Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't know Scott's his kid. So yeah. why would he? He's like, eh, galaxy is going to be a fucking disaster. I better go yeah. out there and start, like, looting people. And to be fair... The way they're animated, they look roughly the same age. So it's not like he would suspect he was right? his son. <laughs> we have the the awkward moment with Wolverine, who has the the infamous picture of Gene and Scott together <laughs> with the hole in it in the middle of it. I love how one animation literally had it cut in half, and then yeah. all the other ones have had the hole. So and Lalandra has like a little bit of a foreshadowing. I almost went Jersey there, like foreshadowing foreshadowing moment hey fuck you just because you say it's foreshadowing <laughs> fuck you rod foreshadowing moment she said she says that they'll meet again and then it wraps up with professor x going to to cyclops trying to comfort him as he's looking at the sun setting and you know he tries to bring up the the legend of the phoenix and cyclops kind of doesn't want to hear it and he's like well the whole thing about the phoenix is no matter what the phoenix always rose again and that was a symbol of hope that never dies mm-hmm. and then there was a very specific animation choice where when you look at scott's visor you actually saw his eyes through the visor okay and i remember the tears too yeah and it was it was because yeah. anytime we've, we've seen the angle of the visor and i don't know if maybe there's the logic of, of it being at the sunset and the different colors hitting mm-hmm. him. But you actually saw his eyes through the visor. And that's the only time up to this point we have seen that aside from when he didn't have his powers. Yeah, yeah. so while he was powered, you could see his eyes. Yeah. And then final notes about this episode before I let Rod toss in some stuff. This actually has three episodes that got delayed until season five following it because of animation issues. Wait. So if you if you like there there were character moments that if you watched in broadcast order absolutely don't make sense in the following episodes. Oh, okay, so the the other episodes that happened before and the way we watched it happen didn't happen in the right. real time thing. Gotcha. Yeah. Just for example, the next episode, which is considered episode thirty four, didn't appear until nineteen ninety six. Jeez. Right. Two years later. Right. Yeah. September of ninety six. So literally. Two years later, and aired an episode order of of airing at number 66. Oh, wow. Right. And then there was a great quote from Eric when he was talking about the writers, Mark and and Michael, who helped him write this, this epic and said, it was just like old times in college in Tennessee. The three of us worked the story out together. I don't think we or X-Men the Animated Series ever did it better. So... If you arguably if you want if you want to interpret that, you know, I I would say this is his favorite set of episodes that that they've done. This is what I remember. The, I know I've spoke highly of Days of Future Past and everything, but I would venture to say that most people remember 
the Phoenix Saga most from the animated series? For for me, I don't know what it was that was going on in my life, but I don't remember watching this a lot. I definitely remember so much of season one and two, uh-huh. but season three, I started falling off for whatever reason. Yeah. And I, I don't remember if it was necessarily like a favorite or we saw it the most. I just, it just, it was the important thing, I guess, maybe. Maybe, yeah. maybe it was because it was the week. I don't remember it being the week long thing, but once again, who knows what your time frame is as a kid, but it just, it was such a big deal. And if I did rewatch it, like in college or whatever, rewatch the animated series, we usually skip to the Phoenix saga or like one or two specials or something. But this one is a five part, like stood on its own. And I stand by my thing. If they want to make a movie and they don't want to put in like the extra effort, just use this as a storyboard and do this. There's more ridiculous things you put your money into. <laughs> I mean, literally the, the second time they did dark Phoenix, it was, mm-hmm. Cap- it was the Captain Marvel story, like yeah. copycatted. Like Matt Pat said it amazingly. They literally just took the story and just put the thing instead of scrolls. Yeah, and in the same year the Captain Marvel came out. Yeah. <laughs> Rod, we have gone through many pages of notes and talked for a while. Do you have any closing thoughts around this aside from just how much it had a pretty meaningful impact on you it sounds like yeah pretty much just that and i think that that just amplifies why so many fans are so disappointed in the two two times fox tried to do the right phoenix saga well the the funny thing is we've only talked about the phoenix saga that we haven't gone Mm -hmm. to the dark phoenix yet and that's the one where fox really shit the bed (laughs) i mean i think that the funny thing is i've never read the phoenix story i've Mm -hmm. only read the dark phoenix aspect of it that's true. I guess we'll see when we get to the Dark Phoenix saga, which is very soon. Yeah, I think we're five episodes Some away from bit, that or yeah. something like that. Yeah, that maybe that's arguably what I remember as far as because I Phoenix Saga and Dark Phoenix Saga kind of meld together to me, like just the overall story and stuff. Right. But I, th- I think it's just one of those tent poles of X Men mythology. But yeah, I, I, I love it. Also, it's like the second time we thought we lost someone permanently. Like where there's stakes. Yeah. I mean, you know? and then, yeah, to your point, episode one, yeah. losing, losing Morph. And, and we didn't find out we had him back until mm-hmm. season two. And now she literally just flew yeah. into the sun. Yeah. And this, yeah, and this one is arguably harder hitting because we've lived with her for two and a half seasons. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you guys for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them into the comments for either the YouTube upload, the official Instagram post about this episode. Fuck it. Leave comments on TikTok. <laughs> if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or CastBox. I'm not looking up any more podcast services. Oh, okay. and ironically, I was listening to the episode that just aired where I shouted out the fact that Facebook has podcasts within the mobile app the week after we found out that that feature was going away. <laughs> nice. Yep. So, so remember, checking it out. We, re- we record stuff in batches. <laughs> Ready to fly into the sun? Yeah, at this point. Okay. Okay. <laughs>